Bear Heights. Today I'd like to welcome my friend Pete Ziakowski. Pete is an Eagle Scout. He's been a volunteer with the Boy Scouts of America as an adult leader for a number of years, has led a few uh, Philmont expeditions, and teaches do-it-yourself gear at University of Scouting and our local Boy Scout Council. Pete has been asked to come on today and talk about some of the gear he has made over the years. Now, we're not just talking about your run-of-the-mill soda can stove or cat stove. This is some pretty interesting stuff and uh, challenging to produce. Pete, thanks for, for coming on the podcast and welcome. Well, thanks, Chris, for having me. I, I look forward to talking about a subject that both of us kind of thought were was always interested in, and that was do-it-your-own camping gear. Yeah, we yeah, it's, it, yeah we we've known each other since. Let me see. I joined the Boy Scout troop in 2007, and yeah, right from the beginning, we pretty much had that common interest of how can I make that myself, and do I have yeah. to hand over the money to a large company, or is there a way I can make that myself? And Pete, if yeah, you just I, give I us the thing overview with, of some of the things you've made, and I think the thing with do-it-yourself camping gear, right? You know, I, I mean, the first thing, you know is that, you know, there's great camping gear out there, right? I mean, you know, the the camping gear that people sell, you know, it's as high tech and as nifty and cool as ever. But there's always, there's also something about um, looking at what you're doing and you're saying, well, you know what, I need something that better suits me or wouldn't it be a really neat idea if I could, you know, make something that was, you know, you know, you see it on in a catalog and said, you know, I think I could make that and going off and trying to make it. And I think it's really kind of that evolution of going off and saying, you know, how do I tailor it for me? Or, you know, I, you know, I tell everybody when, when I'm talking about do it yourself camping gear, you know, it's not like, you know, you save money out of doing it. You know, you do. In some cases, there are some things that are, you know, really simple. You know, like you could even start with the basic, you know, like instead of buying the $20 Nalgene bottle, you know, you go off and you get a, a quart bottle of Gatorade and you just use, you know, that bottle as your, you know, it could start as simple as that. But, you know, do-it-yourself camping gear has that element of fun because, you know, not only do you make it, you teach yourself new skills. You also, you know, get to try it out and see what works and what doesn't work. And sometimes that's the fun or the adventure of it. Now you talked about learning new skills. Uh, I understand you've picked, you picked up the skill of sewing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just to kind of, give everybody a kind of an idea of, you know, this was not a, you know, jump off the cliff kind of passion that we, that I kind of developed or, you know, I started off um, a long time ago, or maybe even it starts even really young because, you know, I, I'm a, I was in the Boy Scouts in the 1970s and, you know, back in those days, they didn't have quite the amount of gear. And, you know, the books were filled with how to make your own backpack or your frame to put your backpack on because nobody had, you know, nobody had, you know, external frame backpacks or internal frame backpacks back in the day, you know, and um, 
so there was a lot of talk about how you kind of are you there's a lot in the books back in the 70s about how to make some of you some basic camping equipment so i started off um this kind of a joke we were on my first trek to philmont and my sister gave me this uh idea for making a led flashlight out of a film canister and a nine volt battery and i said well that'd be that'll be pretty fun so you know this is before they had super bright leds and or you had to find them and so i had my little film canister led flashlight and you know the other adults on this trip were we'll call them gadget guys where you know they had the latest gadgets and I would always show them my, my LED flashlight. Oh, here's my little torch of power. But, you know, I think you learn a lot. I mean, even in doing that very first project, you know, of, of looking at it and saying, okay, you know what, here's the elements of circuits. You know, I have an LED. How do I, how do, how do I drive the LED? What kind of resistor do I need to get, you know, um, you know, kind of brush up my soldering skills. And then, Ultimately, as I kind of graduated into um, different projects, um, yeah, um, one of the things that I learned how to, I, I taught myself how to do is to sew things on my, uh, on a sewing machine. And not that I'm really any good with it. If you kind of look at some of my seams, they're hardly professional, but um, it was like one of those things where where, you know, it said, okay, well, you know, one of the first projects I made was a, there was a, a type a type of tarp tent, I think, by a guy named Henry Shears or Shears or something like that. And I saw this on the internet and I said, oh, you know, and he had the plans for it. And I said, okay, you know, I'm, I think I could try and make, you know, this tarp tent. And it was a simple kind of deal. Because um, one of the things that, you know, you get out of do-it-yourself camping gear is, you know, it is that element of saying, okay, well, how do you take it to the next level in terms of sometimes even performance? Because, you know, people, you know, I'm not really uh, a crazy ultralight backpacker. Um, I, but I do look to shave pounds off of my pack and, you know, one of the first ways you look at it and you said, okay, you go buy a tent off of REI or, or EMS or wherever, you know, typical two-man tent is probably going to weigh, you know, six to eight pounds or whatever it is. Or, and, you know, they're really nice tents, right? They're, you know, have a nice floor, um, you know, a nice um, tarp over the, a fly over the, the tent portion. You know, the tent is well ventilated, but, you know, if you go off and look and said, well, you know, how do I make, you know, how do I make this? We had this simple, very simple design of a tarp tent where, you know, it was a single wall tent and, you know, you, um, you know, had to put it together and sew it up and, you know, find the materials. And it, it was, you know, just that element of fun of trying to, accumulate the different things and then sewing them up and then kind of figuring out um, what worked and what didn't work. And then ultimately going off and trying your tent 
you know, in a, in a, a real life environment. And, and I actually took that tent to film on, on one of my tracks. So, you know, the, 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 the sewing aspect was, was, a, you know, kind of a real adventure. And, you know, I, I, you know, now I kind of admit that one time I, I had totally goofed up my wife's sewing machine. <laughs> Luckily I fixed it before she knew it, but, you know, but it was all for, it was all for fun. Mm-hmm. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using the Permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks, and the Picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they're likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Yeah, I've, um, I've seen firsthand your gear. You and I've been on a number of campouts together, and I've talked to people. I've come across in my section hikes on the Appalachian Trail who, you know, I I can point. I can see because I've seen have having seen the work you have done. I can see somebody's homemade tent, not because of the quality, but because because of the design. And it's always interesting because if you go over and talk to somebody who's made their own gear, um, you know, they feel good about it. It's uh uh. And it, it, you're not, like you said, you're probably not saving much money. Maybe if, you know, if you're into that category of tents that can now go up to $400, you're probably saving money. But if you're in your middle price range, you're, you're, you're yeah. mid, midway quality and up, your, your, your work is going to, the work and the money are probably going to equalize. Um, yeah. the single wall I, tent, I, I think that's true. But I think the one thing about do-it-yourself gear is the ability to modify and adapt what you need right to to what you need because certainly even after i made that first tent you know i, I kind of did things like making just tarps just a you know plain old tarp that i would bring off you know on, on a backpacking trip if it was just me but ultimately i you know the the thought of looking at this tent that i had made and you know there's you learn a lot from from actually doing this, you know, you, you know, you start thinking about, okay, what are the elements that go into a tent, you know, and it's, you know, it's waterproof, but it's also things like ventilation of the, you know, and one of the things that, um, you know, kind of made us do a little bit or made me do was to say, okay, you know, what are the things that I like and what are the things that I don't like about this tent? Right. What are the things if I was going to make another tent, how, how am I going to make it a little bit different to better suit that I what I needed? And I think when you buy something, you know, it's like, OK, oh, this tent looks good. You may even see it at, you know, you go to, a, you know, EMS or somewhere and you see the tent and you look at it and you get it home. You know, you kind of buy this tent and then you're kind of, you know, you, you get it back and then it's like, oh, you know, I have this tent. You know, when you make your own gear, you know, you could be very adaptive. And like, for example, the second tent that I made is, you know, I was kind of thinking about, okay, 
what are the things that I want to do with my tent, right? And the number one thing you do when you're trying to save weight with tent is you you get rid of the floor, right? You don't need a floor. You know, you're going to have a Tyvek or a piece of, um, you know, you know, light, light plastic or something that's a ground cloth, and that's going to be fine, you know. Um, but you kind of say, well, you know, I have this tent. What didn't I like about it? And they said, well, for starters, it was very low to the ground, right? And I didn't like um, not being able to at least sit up to deal with stuff in my tent. So I said, okay, I'm going to make a, I'm going to, I might, I want my tent to be a little bit bigger. And what's the next thing I didn't like about this tent? And it's like, okay, well, when you ever have a, a single wall tent, right? The number one thing that you always worry about is condensation, right? Because, you know, the kind of the joke with single wall tents is that, you know, you always keep a bandana in your sleeping bag. So when you wake up, the first thing you can do is wipe the, the you know, wipe the, the, the ceiling of the tent because you the condensation that you breathe out while you're sleeping. And I said, well, you know what I think would be really cool is if I could have a, a tent that would take like a fly and then underneath it have like a mosquito um, mesh kind of structure that, and the two were separable. So like, for example, if it was a really nice night and I wanted to sleep under the stars, you know, I wouldn't even have to put out the, um, I wouldn't have to put out the, um, the, the tarp on it at all. I could sleep under the mesh on, the, on uh, of the, of the inner part of the tent because they were, the, the fly part was totally detachable and vice versa. If I'm hiking out in the, the fall and there's no insects around, you know, I wouldn't even need the bug part of it, the inner part. So I could just leave that at home or, you know, and, and just have the, um, and, and just use the, 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 the fly part. And then you go off and you start thinking about and do it yourself. The next question is, is what else can I dual use, right? What are, what are the things that I, I have already that I can use for something else? And you know, the answer for 10 poles, you know, is, is trekking poles. You know, I, I, I used trekking poles. I love trekking poles. But, you know, at night, they're perfect for 10 poles, right? They're adjustable to the, the height you need, and they're there anyway. So those are the kind of things you think about for do-it-yourself. Yeah, and with the, uh, you know, you, you talked about floorless tent. You, know, you and I are about the same age. We we're in our, we We're in our 50s, and you know, maybe it's easy to forget, but those of us who camped or backpacked in the 70s know there was a time where tents didn't have floors, right? You'd, like you said, you'd put something on the ground, you slept on it. And there were now those heavy, old heavy Boy Scout camps, but uh, tents, but they didn't all have floors. Uh, right. And I remember and, going on. And that's right, because I, as funny as you, as it sounds like, you know, being a Boy Scout in the 70s, you know, we used to have these, what were called Voyager's tents, these kind of aqua tents, and they didn't have floors. But we had one scout leader that would, went and, you know, took the tents and sewed floors into them. And so we started getting floors, and boy, did we love that, you know, as scouts, you know, we got a tent with the floor. And then roll the clock forward, it's like, okay, you know what? 
I really didn't need that floor. You know, I kind of do stuff on my own. You know, right. So, and this many years later, we're finding out that vestibules, rain flies, floors <laughs> are extraneous weight, poles even, right? You point out that, you know, and it's becoming more common for people to use trekking poles. Right? There's tents that are now manufactured to use trekking poles. Um, you know, so that's a bit of the evolution of tents. Uh, yeah. Now, something I, I want to talk to you about, you you made your own backpack. Now, this is something I'm struggling with now. And you talked about customizing in the bedroom. Oh, yeah. I'm struggling to find the perfect winter backpack and, 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 and designing it. So tell us a little bit about your, your backpack that you designed. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So, um, you know, you think about backpacks and this is, you know, I was once watching a, a show about a guy who was, um, hiking the Appalachian trail and he was an ultralightist, right. And he was talking about, um, his backpack and, you know, you think about a backpack, right. And again, you know, the technology in backpacks is like, I mean, it's like exploding. There's millions of different or hundreds of different kinds of backpacks that are, 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 you know, that are just so high tech, but, you know, the concept I had was saying, okay, well, okay. You know, you know, what, what do I need out of a backpack? And one of the things that adds weight to a backpack is the structure, right? You want to have structure so you can balance the load and be able to carry the load effectively. And you said, okay, well, usually that's aluminum. In the case of external frame backpacks, that's a very structured, very, you know, very obvious um, set of aluminum kind of poles. Internal backpacks, there's, you know, series of that, you know, of rigid mechanical support. It helps your load. And, you know, I said, well, okay, what else would I have on here? You know, if I don't really want to have that load, I don't want to design that into my backpack. If I took like a basic pack, you know, and you kind of look at like, as just kind of a bag with straps and a hip belt. How do I get that structure? And I said, okay, well, you know, it'd be really cool. You know, um, Chris said, you know, we were a scout leader. I have four sons. And so, you know, I have like, like tons of camping gear, but the kids would always love the, um, closed cell foam thermo rest kind of, um, of camping mat. And I said, okay, well, what if I took that and I use that as my frame where essentially I could make essentially a, a have the frame support the outside of my outside of the pack. And then I could put straps in to strap the, the, the sleeping pad into the backpack. So, so the, the frame itself would, the, the, the pad itself would give the frame, would, would give the, um, the structure. And so that actually worked out pretty well. And, you know, to some of the other features that I put in, um, I, 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 um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, there's a, a part of the pack called the brain, which is like this part that's on top of your pack. You know, it's really kind of a place where people put little odds and ends. Well, I didn't put a brain on my pack. So I just had it kind of like, had like a cinch kind of thing like you would see on a garbage bag, right? You know, and 
you know, the waterproofing that I put into it is just, you know, I put everything in a black plastic bag that goes into, into, you know, into, inside the, the, you know, the hollow roll of the sleeping pad. And on the outside, I put like a mesh pocket because the one rule that everybody should always follow is never put your fuel in, inside your backpack. You know, it's, you know, a good way. That's a, a recipe for disaster. So I, I, I wanted to have a, I wanted to put a, you know, I put a pocket on the outside for, um, for the, you know, for the fuel bottle. And then on the inside, I put like a waterproof um, pocket for, you know, like a, a bladder. And, you know, certainly one of the thing, and then, you know, the, the belt, the hip belt that I made was basically um, just like a two and a half inch um, thing of web. And, you know, the thing about, um, you know, making your own, you know, they do sell parts for things like making your own, like buckles and stuff like that. And at one time, um, we had a, a an outlet for Eureka camping here and they would bulk sell stuff like that where they would, uh, they, you know, you could, they were bins of buckles of different sh shapes and sizes. So, you know, I had, every time I went in there, I used to buy stuff, you know, it's like, okay, this is fun. And, um, you know, so I made the hip belt out of that. And then I, I found some closed cell foam to make padding on the hip belt. And then for the shoulder straps, it was, um, you know, that's probably the one thing that I, I, I didn't make myself because I was in this Eureka store and they had a whole bin because they used to make um, tents there and fix camping gear there. And so they had the whole bin of like these pack straps or these shoulder straps and they were like a buck a piece. So I bought a couple and put those on, uh, put those on my backpack. But generally speaking, it, you know, so the backpack itself probably weighs like, you know, a pound or something like that. And then, you know, everything else is just value add stuff inside of it. You know, I found my own experience with backpacks. You know, they like tents, they've evolved where they have a lot of bells and whistles become very technical, but my go-to backpack is still, it's people have called it just a glorified stuff sack or, or a yeah. duffel bag, right? It's, you just put your stuff in there. And if you're packing right, you're not overpacking. You're pretty much empty in and out every night before you go to bed anyway, right? You're taking your tent, sleeping, bet your sleep system out and food should be stored properly anyway. Right. Um, and, and, and I think that's a, a, a real key because, you know, I think when you're thinking about do it yourself, you know, there's certain luxuries that you can go off and make, right? I mean, I've seen people make espresso makers out of beer cans and stuff like that, which is fun because, you know, I think, you know, some of the gear that we make is just simply for the fun of making it, right? Yeah. And, um, but ultimately, you know, you go off and look and, you know, one of the, the lessons I learned as a scout leader, especially taking scouts backpacking, is that, you know, there's not a whole lot of stuff a 14-year-old kid can take because they're just not big enough, right? And so you really drive toward, um, you know, driving weight down and, you know, certainly as an adult, you know, on, on youth trips, you know, you tend to become the Sherpa adult anyway, right? Where, 
you know, you, you, you don't want to see a hundred pound kid struggling because his backpack weighs 50, you know, you, you know, the key element there is you want the kid to have fun. So, you know, you have to be really disciplined and keeping it, keeping that, you know, going to the 20% rule, you know, you know, having this kid do go do this backpack at 20%, but of his weight, which is only 20 pounds. And, you know, so, you know, you got, you just, you want to be careful and then you, and it forces you to kind of drive and say, okay, what can I, what can I need? And, you know, a lot of do it yourself stuff is just looking around and seeing what you have in your house and what you can, what can you use, you know, in your house that on a backpacking trip, you know, and the classic example is like, you know, people used to go to Wendy's and get their spoons for, and they would bring their spoon. That would be their, 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 their backpacking thing would just be that plastic spoon. Yeah. As one so, DIY junkie to another, um, do you have like a collection of things you've cut off and pulled off of things before you throw them in the garbage? Oh <laughs> like yeah. Or, or, you know, zipper pulls and buckles and things like that. And I've got a, you know, a whole, ton of those laying around always thinking oh, yeah, i might I, I, need this if i'm going to make something <laughs> yeah i i think that's all that, that that is a big part of you know you go around and look and say oh i could make something out of that you know and and you know I'm, I'm getting a little bit better about getting rid of stuff like that where i have stuff down like you know or put in a new dishwasher you know and and you're taking the old dishwasher out and there's this foam insulation around the outside. It's like, Oh, this is cool. I could, I could use that. Or, you know, right. Wendy's there's, always, a, there's a point where, like where made, you know, there, there's nothing you look at that you can't say I could turn that into a storage container or a stuff sack right. or, or, or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know, I mean, those, it, it's like, I have a whole drawer full of, you know, I think film canisters, you know, from back in the days of 35 yeah. millimeter films are probably long gone, but, you know, I have, I have, I have a collection of like, you know, like, I don't know. I still probably have like a, a dozen or so of those down, down yeah. in my, in, in my, in my, in my yeah. drawer. And Funny story on those. I just pulled one out the other two out the other day. I turned into salt and pepper shakers. And so one yeah, day I'm gonna I, it, and they're going to look at these and say, what the heck are these? What, what, what are these? Well, they used to put film inside these a long, long time ago. Yeah, it, that's right. It's, it's, it, 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 it's a little bit different, but you know, but there's just a, a lot of different stuff that you can you can go find in your house that that that'll work. And and you know, even with a even if you're looking to start something basic, you know, some of the the most basic um, projects that you can do is like, for example, just straps that you use to you know you know you know, attach stuff to your backpack or, you know, roll up your sleeping bag with, you know, you could go to like places like Joanne Fabrics and get the gross grain ribbon and, and make your own straps to whatever length you want, like in minutes, right. And, you know, they, they sell the, they, they sell the buckles there and, you know, for a buck, you can make, yeah, I mean you know, I was just in there the other day because, I, like I said, I'm what I've been struggling with as I've gotten more and more into winter hiking, not backpacking, but hiking, is the the perfect system for having my snowshoes and my crampons easily accessible. Yeah, so I was just in there the other day, and that's what I was looking at was buckles and straps. And you're right, they're they're reasonably priced. 
on. There's, you know, it's not that difficult to obtain this stuff, even if right. you're not a junkie that goes around seeing everything as a possible piece of gear you want to make. Yeah, and 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 you know the other thing that um you know probably isn't mentioned here, you know, and some of the things that you do do, you know, I think if if I if you ask me what my kind of um most you know the prized projects were you know certainly my tents and my backpack and i actually made a goose down sleeping quilt as well and you know one of the questions people always ask when we teach about um teach do-it-yourself camping like at a university of scouting or or whatever or, or an adirondack mountain club you know kind of thing is you know where do you get the materials from and that's probably one of the things that um you know that you know there's places you know certainly for some of the stuff that you make you know joanne fabrics has some stuff um there but there are some very special places on the internet that do nothing but sell outdoor wilderness fabrics and stuff like that that um that that you use and that's probably like an hour long talk anyway about what the different materials are and and how how to use them and you know because you know that's one aspect of you know do it yourself is you look at what are the materials and are they available and what would be the best material right you know you don't you know if you're making a backpack you know you do have to have some element of roughness to it or you know durability to it so you do have to go get have more heavyweight kind of nylon cloth, you know, pack right. weight Some kind of, of cloth. isn't something you're going to just walk into Joanne Fabrics. Right. Or your it, local craft store especially if you're going to go off and say, well, I want to make my own tent. And then you're talking about, you know, nylon that's coated with silicon, you know, and, you know, your, you know, the 1.9 ounce sil nylon kind of stuff that that's out there. But that's kind of the fun of, you know, learning about that stuff and learning, you know, what kind of materials are best used for some for something. And there are some uh, companies on the Internet who offer kits, not just the plans, but they'll sell you the kit, the fabric, uh, you know, the raw fabric. You need to, of course, cut it all out and sew in your seams and put it together. But there are and I don't know off the top of my head what they are but i know there are at least two or three companies that offer yeah. that online well i i think you know the guys that are the, the like for example you know x number of years ago with henry shires or with Shears, who came out with this tarp tent um you know i think that was something that he he wanted to to do and then he saw some element of business into it you know he was certainly giving out his plans for free on the internet but you know he was you know, actively selling his tents. And, you know, I could probably see that as a model of saying, oh, yeah, here's here's somebody that wants to to make their own tent, but, you know, getting the materials and all that stuff might be a little bit too much for them. So, um, you know, here it goes. And, well, now Henry Shires has a, a company that manufactures the tents and sells them, Tarp Tent. This is yeah. um, company, right? And they, it's a high-quality tent, but... Their most basic model is what he was putting on the internet years ago, and do-it-yourself people were were making. Yeah, and that's and the, my first tent that I made. Uh, Pete, do you have a 
piece of equipment or gear that you would say was the most challenging for you to make? Well, you know, I, I'd have to say it was the down sleeping quilt, right? Because so we get to that because I, I know this story. So, yeah. So the, the down sleeping quilt, I had seen something like that. And, and you know, the, the thing about sleeping bags, right, is that, you know, for the most part, they're very much over designed, right? I mean, you know, you basically, um, you know, get a sleeping bag and it, and you know, for winter hikes and stuff like, or winter camping trips, they're good. And, but, you know, they tend to be heavy. And even the lightweight ones that you get the down sleeping bags, um, for me, they just didn't fit really well. They were very, very tight and confining. Um, so I got this idea and I saw this idea for, a, for a, um, a down sleeping quilt with the basic idea being that, um, it's a sleeping, it's sort of like a blanket. It sews up at the bottom to kind of put your feet into. And the idea being that you don't really need a sleeping bag underneath you because it gets crushed, right? And there's very little insulation. So don't even bother. Save the, save the idea. So I said, okay, this sounds like a really cool idea. So I found a place, and I forget the name of the place, but you could buy goose down and um you know and you know part of the sleeping bag you know you if you look at dealing with down or down coats you know there's a there's a system called baffling and what baffling is is where you have you make these little chambers inside the sleeping bags these little partition walls so when you when you put the feathers in they don't all fall down to the bottom. They kind of get held in place. And part of the challenge of that whole sleeping bag was to figure out how he was going to do that baffling, right? And, you know, so it ended up that I used mosquito netting for the baffling into the ridges. Um, but then the fun part about it was, is that, you know, I was reading about sewing up down and what happens to down when you try to sew with it and they said whatever you do you have to be in a contained area so what i did is i set up my wife had a kind of a, a small two-man dome tent and i set it up in my basement and i brought my sewing machine and i put my sewing machine into the tent and i actually sewed my sleeping quilt inside the tent to kind of contain the down, the down feathers, um, during the sewing thing. So, you know, basically it was, you know, you had it all sewed up for, except for one, for the one end that you were going to stuff and you would put the feathers in. And then after you dropped all the feathers in, you would sew that, sew, sew that one section up and then you would go to the next one until you had everything sewn up. And then you would kind of, do another couple sews along the along the whole seam to kind of hold it in place, but that was kind of unusual. You know, I kind of wish I had gotten a picture of me in my t in my tent in my basement sewing my quilt. Yeah, I remember but, you explaining it or describing it, and I, I kind of pictured you sitting there with feathers flying around you, almost like a Christmas scene with these. 
Yeah. Well, it, was, it wasn't that bad. I mean, um, but, you know, there were some lessons learned there. Like, you know, for example, when you put your feathers in, you know, you, you, you go in order and you say, okay, well, for this quilt, you know, you kind of do the calculations and I need like this, whatever, you know, 15 ounces of down feathers, right? And it comes in the mail and it's like in this little kind of small tube, right? And it goes, oh my gosh, this is all the feathers that I get, right? And, you know, so you're putting them in and, and, and you know, you kind of get in, 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 of course, you kind of have to have this thought of how you, how you're going to conserve and make sure you have enough feathers for the top. And, you know, that was a, a little bit of a lesson learned. I, definitely my, uh, my quilt has a higher stuffing of feathers at the base than it does in the in in the in it, 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 than it does toward the top and it'll be nice and you know it, it, it you kind of get to this very carefully you know dropping feathers and letting them expand to kind of gauge the amount of fill that you're getting for this sleeping this sleeping bag uh how many years ago was that that you made a sweep that you you made a sleeping quilt right because you came to the conclusion that what's underneath you gets crushed and isn't doing you any good anyway how many years well, ago was that? That, that that wasn't exactly my theory that was a theory that someone had said and right. i said yeah i could believe that um i think that was oh you know i don't know the years have drifted by pretty quickly but it was probably years, not I too much longer out. after i mean it was probably a few years after we had first met so when was that like in 2008 or something like that yeah uh because since then, I mean, if you go on now and go online now and research lightweight equipment, quilts are the way to go. That's what everybody's using these days. That's become the Vogue sleeping system is a quilt and a sleeping mattress. Yeah. Well, Pete, uh, I want to thank you for, for coming on. I'm hoping to have you on again because there's, well, there's so many things you and I can talk about and go on forever. Uh, as I mentioned, you're also a member of the Adirondack 46 and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, I'm currently pursuing the 46, so that could be a whole nother episode that I'd like to do with you at a later date. I hope you and your family stay safe and healthy. And yeah, we'll talk soon, Pete. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please feel free to leave a review. If you found it helpful or useful or just entertaining, let us know. We can be contacted at PapaBearHikes at gmail.com or check us out at PapaBearHikes zero one on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Get outside and have a great day. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.